This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, this is Joe's sister, Nikki. I think I might be the only girl in the world who has a brother who spends his entire day in the basement pretending he has an internet radio show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you've ever wondered, could I go for four days without spending any money? I don't have to wonder. I know I can't. But hey, if you think you got a shot at it, we have the perfect guest for you today because here to talk about a no-spend challenge, we welcome the co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast, Jen Smith. Plus, in today's headlines, long-term care benefits have been added to new Medicare Advantage plans. And we've got the skinny with the woman behind Boomer Benefits, Danielle Kunkel-Roberts. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline, answer a letter from the mailbag, and top it all off with the star at the pinnacle of this year's show, My Incredible Trivia. And now, two guys who are all warmed up and ready to go, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G! Stretched out and ready for Wednesday. Hey there, everybody. I'm Joe Saul C. High Average Joe Money on Twitter. Welcome back to this basement-based podcast. And across this card table, the one and only OG. Do you think it's really necessary to do all the calisthenics before we start this? I think we should. Every pro, every pro gets ready before the big game. Today's today's the big game, man. We got our best show ever. I've got a, a full glass of Pinot Noir. At 6.30 in the morning. Good stuff. Well, It's noon somewhere. Well, the good news is we got other people carrying the show. Jen Smith here talking about a no-spend challenge. You ever try to do a no-spend challenge? You know what? It, I was just thinking about this. And I was just thinking like how hard it is to do that. She's going to break it down, though, and she makes it look oh, so man. easy. And she also, like you... <laughs> I is, hope so. Well, she's somebody like you, too, dude, who's a natural spender. So it's going to be it's yeah. going to be great. I, I naturally spend money. You're right. Well, you know something good to spend money on is this Omax 3 Ultra Pure. You're familiar with that. Thanks to Omax Health for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Omax 3 Ultra Pure is the purest omega-3 supplement on the market. And when you visit this site, Try omax.com forward slash SB. They're going to send you a free box of Omax 3 Ultra Pure with your first purchase. Thanks to Omax Health. We got a great show, man. Let's get this party started, huh? Party is started. Yes, sir. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. 
Our first headline today comes to us from Investment News. I wanted to get your take on this. This is written by Greg Iacurci. It's about to get easier to do a 1035 exchange with annuities. Have you seen this? I didn't see this article, no. So 1030- I didn't know it was difficult to begin with, but okay, let's hear about it. Well, can, can you explain to people that don't know what a 1035 exchange is, exactly what it is? Well, you can think of it this way. Maybe this is simplifying it a little too much. It's like a rollover so you don't have to pay taxes. You know, when you have an annuity, if it's not in an IRA, then you're giving yourself some tax benefits, but some tax restrictions as well. And the biggest restriction is you can't touch the annuity until you're 59 and a half, just yeah. like a regular retirement account. So uh, 1035 allows you to move from one product to another. You know, maybe there's better benefits or lower costs or something like that without receipt of the money. So it's just like doing a, you know, quote unquote, a rollover, but with annuity money. He writes, insurance companies aren't exactly known as pioneering when it comes to digital <laughs> technology. So true. true Most are entrenched in paper-dominated transactions with consumers and their financial advisors. Annuity providers, however, are making a synchronized effort to do business in a more 21st century fashion. That's especially apparent in the realm of 1035 exchanges, tax-free transfers from one annuity to another, like OG just explained. I think the whole industry's decided this needs to happen, said Kevin Kennedy, head of individual retirement at AXA Equitable Life Insurance Company. All the carriers have really stepped up. Annuity products are often derided as being expensive, complicated products, a criticism that's compounded by cumbersome industry infrastructure that often creates a months-long exchange process. Technology can reduce the timeline substantially, executives said, likely to within a week. Start to finish. Man, I remember that. In annuity 1035 exchanges used to take forever. Yeah, they still kind of do. One week. Especially with all the paperwork. And, and a lot of it's just really silly stuff. Like it's got to be original wet signatures sent to the company. Yeah. Like somehow that's, you know. A crazy. Way. I know why they do it, right? Sure. They do it because it's a pain in the butt. And because if it... If it cancels out one out of every 10 transfers, why they kept all that money on the books. That's interesting you say that because further down in this piece, they worry about churning starting now. Observers see a potential risk in speeding up 1035 exchanges, an increase in conflicted sales. Some brokers have used 1035 exchanges as a way to churn clients' annuity contracts as brokers make a new commission with each exchange. I used to see that in the day, even when it was slow. In fact, we talked on Monday about an annuity dispute uh, that that I was involved in, and that was that was a big part of that issue. Was the this advisor had been just signing these people up for new annuities? In fact, get this: he had been taking distributions from one annuity to invest them in a different annuity. Love it! It's a gift that keeps on giving. Can I get commissions on top of my commissions, please? <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> Just and, and by great, I mean horrible. Uh, yeah. Just just in a horrible way. Yeah, I just saw an advisor, air quotes, advisor's business for sale that I, I'm a member of a, I guess a, a broker group. You know, like a like a business broker. If you have a business for sale, you know, I kind of hear about it from time to time. In any event, this guy approached me for this business that they're selling. It's a hundred million dollars of annuities. And I said, well, that's not worth anything. <laughs> it's you know the money's been made on it. I'll. You know, and he says, oh, no, 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 man. Check it out. All these annuities, man. You could turn them all back over again. Put, us, said, put them in another annuity. 
Yeah. I'm Set like, up new surrender like charges. That's always the right thing to do. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, we can put a, you can move from one annuity to $100 million of annuities, man. Yeah. You know what the commission is on that? Six and a half percent. Do that math. Yeah. Yeah. It's, good night. It's a so. good amount of money. You can't live on it, but it's a good amount of money. It's a start. Yeah, absolutely. It is. That's always a big risk with the churning thing. You know, that's true with any brokerage relationship. Anytime you get paid based on a transaction, you run the risk of being accused of churning if you change that transaction ever. You know, if you're a broker and if you're a consumer of that, you really got to ask the question, you know, spell out for me, how is this better? And just be okay with the fact that, hey, I I got an annuity. I know I'm going to pay you for it. I know you're going to earn a big fat commission on it. I don't have a problem with any of that. But show me in writing dollars and cents. How does this make me better off? And it better be a lot more than, well, you know, uh, this company is a little bit more secure than that company. And uh, I mean, it really needs to be in in pure dollars and cents. And a lot of times it does. It does. You know, sure. Companies innovate. No, you know, that that does happen. But. Um, it's cool to see uh, our friends at Haven Life made this piece. The broader life insurance industry is also undergoing a digital renaissance of sorts. Some insurers have started using algorithms to speed up policy underwriting for customers to just a few weeks. A handful of more cutting-edge players, such as Haven Life and Protective Life Insurance Company, are using what's called accelerated underwriting to deliver policies to consumers on the spot and without a medical exam. Nice job there, Haven Life. Yeah. Good stuff. I'll link to this in the show notes. Interesting stuff. I, You know, we have called this the last couple of years the annuities really undergoing some huge transformation. And man, they there's such a long way to go. But I thought this was possibly a step in the right direction of bringing annuities out of the dark yeah. age. Okay. And in our second headline, this comes to us from ThinkAdvisor. Long-term care benefits creep into 2019 Medicare Advantage plan. This is written by Allison Bell. Listen to this. About 7.5% of enrollees will have access to extra long-term care or chronic condition benefits. That's possibly some good news. I'm hoping it's good news. Walking down the stairs to the basement right now is our friend from Boomer Benefits, Danielle Kunkel-Roberts. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm great. This basement is awesome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> some people say awesome. Some people say smells like Febreze, you know. <laughs> a little of both, I understand. Right. That's right. Or maybe <laughs> it's because of the Febreze. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this because long-term care, as as you know, Danielle, is a rough area now. I mean, that industry is a dumpster fire. Tell me about this integration of long-term care benefits into some uh, Medicare planning. Yeah, you know, it's actually a really great thing. And something about Medicare Advantage that we've been watching here at our agency is just the trend of upward growth in enrollment. Currently, about 33% of Medicare beneficiaries are in Medicare Advantage plans. And then this news um, in the legislation last year where they're allowing now Medicare Advantage plans to build in what they call supplemental benefits for home health care, which, of course, falls under the long-term care umbrella is an amazing benefit. And it also is something that you won't be able to get in original Medicare. So for the time being, at least, this is going to be a benefit that's limited just to the Medicare Advantage plans. And so some people, obviously, most people, I think, would prefer to stay in their home in a long-term care situation anyway. If I can have a nurse at home, I'd much rather do that than have to go to a facility. Oh, definitely. And, you know, this is something where even just a little bit of help can often go a long way. 
you may know some caregivers. I know in my industry, I know some caregiver experts and something like an ability to take your parent to an adult daycare for one visit per week is something to give a respite to the caregiver. You can also do the home health where they're going to come in and help you with activities of daily living, like laundry and cleaning and cooking and Uh, sometimes in some instances, you know, helping with meals and, and dressing, transferring from one room to another. And what the Medicare Advantage carriers have seen is that even that little bit is keeping someone in their home longer is ultimately going to reduce the expenses from the insurance company for the insurance company down the line. So I think that they're pretty excited to roll these benefits out and it will probably tremendously impact their enrollment going forward. If it's, if it's cooking and cleaning, can I get that benefit at age 50? (laughs) I wish I could get that now too. (laughs) Yeah, but I know it'll be limited to people. Well, One thing is that if you enroll in Medicare due to a disability under age 65, yes, you could. But um, I don't think that uh, living or doing your podcast in the basement, it probably qualifies you for that. No, and I'm not excited about what I have to go through to get that either. That's right. That's a bridge too far for me. I mean, I'm glad it's it's there for people who need it, but I want to try to stay away from that. Mm, Me too. Let's dig into Medicare Advantage itself for just a second, Danielle, while we have you here, because we have some people who are you know, just entering retirement years, listening to the show, and they know nothing about how this stuff works. You mentioned Medicare and Medicare Advantage. What's the difference? Original Medicare has been around since the 60s, and this is when you're getting your bills paid for by the federal government. And then in the Balanced Budget Act in 1997, which was signed into law by President Clinton, they created Medicare Advantage plans. They were called Medicare Plus Choice plans back then. But essentially what that is, is you're just getting your original Medicare Part A and B benefits from a private insurance company instead of from original Medicare. These companies typically have networks. So it's going to be very similar to employer group health insurance that you've had previously, where you might have an HMO network or a PPO network. It's going to cover all the same benefits that original Medicare A and B would give you, but your copay and cost sharing may be different. So these plans actually get paid by Medicare to take on your medical risk. And so therefore, they're very motivated to offer them to Medicare beneficiaries at extremely low rates. In fact, in many urban areas, you can enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan that has a zero premium, which means although you're still paying for your Medicare Part B, you aren't spending any additional money on those plans to get all the benefits that we rolled out to you underneath those plans. And they can include extras like dental and vision and hearing and gym memberships, which have made them very attractive in the past. And then these newer benefits, of course, will probably just continue to improve the senior view of these plans. And and so, and this is where long-term care comes in. It's just another one of those benefits that Medicare Advantage plans can have. That's right. Gotcha. And we should be clear that, you know, at the time being, it's not that your Medicare Advantage plan is going to pay for, you know, a permanent stay in a nursing home. Right. right. Um, but what it is going to do possibly is be able to bridge that gap between the time when you might have had to leave your home and maybe now because of this interim short term part-time care that you can get with some of these things. Maybe now you're in your home for a few more years before you would need to go to a traditional long-term care facility. When you mentioned that these are these are third party plans, you know, immediately people think of Bob's insurance company that I've never heard <laughs> of before. But I think I think d- d- correct me if I'm wrong. These are some of the same names that everybody's heard of that are offering oh, these plans. 
Yeah, you bet. So all the major insurance companies that you think of that deliver even, of course, Medicare supplements, but also major carriers in the under 65 market. So you have uh, United Healthcare and Aetna, Cigna, Humana, Blue Cross, Anthem. Uh, there are dozens of smaller carriers as well. So there sometimes might be some carriers that you haven't heard of before, but a lot of the big players are also in this market. Gotcha. And does, does bigger mean better or does it matter? I mean, if it's being run through Medicare or Medicare controls, maybe? Yeah, like a big box brand name company. Yeah. Not necessarily. So all Advantage plans have some parameters with which in their benefits must fall within those. But then individually within those guidelines, there's a whole lot of room for flexibility. So you will have plans, like I said, that have might have a zero premium. You might have some plans that have a zero copay at the doctor. Uh, you'll have plans that will give you some of those freebie ancillary benefits. And so when you're looking for a Medicare Advantage plan, one of the great things that consumers can do to investigate these is right on Medicare's website, which is Medicare.gov, there is a plan finder tool. You can go there and punch in your zip code and you can pull up a list of all the plans in your area. You can even search for them uh, based on the medications that you take. And then you can look through each plan and the different benefits. Um, one of the real important things is to definitely make sure that your doctors participate in the plan because these are networks. So when you're on Medicare, you've got almost 900,000 providers across the U.S. that you can choose from. Advantage plans are typically going to be more local. So maybe in your home city, a couple of counties or probably at the largest statewide and so your network of doctors and hospitals might be 2,000 to 5,000. And sometimes what people will do is they'll ask their doctor, hey, do you take Blue Cross? The doctor will say yes, meaning a Medicare supplement, and not realizing that you were talking about an Advantage plan. So it's really important that you check the online directories for the insurance companies, make sure your doctor appears then, and then we would want to ask your provider or the office staff there, are you accepting ABC Insurance Company's Medicare Advantage plan? And if okay. you use those words, you'll have a better chance of confirming that your doctor is going to be in that network. That's what I was thinking. Knowing the right verbiage, I think, is pretty important in that yeah, case. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Uh, I will link to this piece from Think Advisor. Good news here uh, in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. But Danielle, people want help from you and Boomer Benefits. How do they find you? We are online, easy to find at boomerbenefits.com. Imagine uh, We that. have a webinar that we do every couple of weeks that you can come on and uh, learn about Medicare. And of course, all the social media, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. So um, feel free to come in and ask any questions. We'd be happy to answer them for your listeners. Awesome. You know what we'll do too? We'll link to your YouTube channel. We'll link to your site also at our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Danielle, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and explaining this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I think that's our first takeaway, OG, from Danielle. Thanks again to Danielle, by the way, for coming down to the basement. Long-term care plan, you might be able to roll in pieces of your long-term care strategy right into your Medicare Advantage plan. Okay. And then our second takeaway, I think, is looking to change from one annuity to another. Take OG's advice and have them spell it out for you in dollars and cents why the new annuity is actually a better deal for you and not just for the salesperson. Jen Smith is one of the hosts of the Frugal Friends podcast. She's also been on uh, the Stacky Benjamins Roundtable a couple times. She has a new book out talking about a no-spend challenge 
And I thought if there's any time to talk No Spend Challenge, it's at the start of 2019. Her site, Modern Frugality, is a place where she helps her friends and other people who want to pay off debt learn to do it efficiently. She helps people stay motivated and achieves a lifestyle full of joy and contentment. She's such a fun, relaxed personality. We love talking to Jen. You got to learn about this no spending stuff because I'm a big fan of spending, actually. You are, but so is Jen. So let's say hi. Jen Smith coming down to the basement. And here she comes walking down the stairs to the basement, the queen of modernfrugality.com, Jen Smith. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. So glad to be back. I, I love it down here in the basement. I love the, the little remodel you're doing. It's so nice. It is. That's a very polite way of saying there's junk all over the place, Joe. Finish the move, <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah. It'll be fine eventually. Maybe next time I'm down here. I don't know. It depends on how far away. You know, it's funny. We know people that have moved four years ago, five years ago. Like, yeah, we still have boxes in the garage we haven't unpacked. Yeah. It took me a year to just go through my linen closet after I moved in. I just put everything in there and then needed something a year later. And I was like, maybe I should find it. At some point. Yeah, at some point. But it's cool. It's like the holidays all over again when you finally open that box and you're like, I forgot I owned this. It's such a happy feeling, especially all those nice little like spa items that I've always said that I want to use and I still keep in there. It's always nice to find those again and then put them back in and say, oh, I can't wait to use that in several years. It's always the soaps and the loofah. You're right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Maybe my favorite word, loofah. But let's, all of our minimalists listening are like, oh my God, you have so much junk. Stop talking about all your junk. But this might be a sign of what you and I are going to talk about overspending, right? You, you're somebody that had a no spend challenge yourself, but yours wasn't because you thought it was cool. It was out of necessity. Yeah. I started with no spend challenges like most college students when I had $7 left in my bank account. It didn't come out of any noble aspirations, but just because I really couldn't spend money. And then again, when we were paying off our debt in 2015, 2016, I thought of the concept again. I had obviously not learned anything from my first one. So I tried them again and uh, did them quite regularly. And that's kind of what taught me how to save money and stop spending so crazily. Had you heard of a no spend challenge from somebody else or was it just, no, I just can't spend any money for the next week, two weeks, month, whatever it might be. Yeah, I don't know how I I got stuck on that term because so many people call it different things. Spending fast, spending detox, zero day challenge. They're all essentially the same thing, but I'm a very all or nothing person. So the idea of no spend challenge and you know, you add challenge to anything, it makes it a little more fun, even though it's like the concept of not spending is the opposite of fun. So that's kind of how I landed on that. <laughs> I don't know to some, but the longer you do it, the longer you gamify it, the more, I mean, you talk about this too in your book, the the longer you gamify it, the more fun it gets. Exactly. And the more you challenge yourself and the better you get every time you do it, the more proud of yourself you are. And that's such a great feeling. Like how many times in our lives do we get to like do things on purpose that are hard and then immediately see the results after a weekend or a week or a month, however long your challenge is, you get to finish that challenge and succeed and say, oh my gosh, like I'm awesome. 
people are going to write me about your debt if I don't ask about this. 2015, <laughs> 2016, you're talking about and paying off your debt. How much debt did you have? So we started near the end of 2015. Um, and then 23 months later, in August of 2017, we were done with paying off $78,000 of debt. Holy cow. And the next question everybody always wants to know is, so how much were you making during that time? Because, you know, these people call into Dave Ramsey and they're like, we make $350,000 a year and we paid off 18 grand. Good for you. Oh gosh. I know. I talked to a lot of people that pay off debt. So I understand. So we were making about 88 grand over the average, but we were side hustling a lot. That's how we got our income up so much. Cause my husband was unemployed twice over that time. I could only get max of 25 hours a week at my regular job. So we had more time and we just did, we were as constructive with it as possible. Did all the side hustling go to debt? All of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. What type of debt was it? It was mostly student loans and then made like $4,000 of it was my car loan. Wow. That's, that's yeah. powerful. How did you feel when you got that paid off in August of seventeen? Oh my gosh. I started drinking champagne and I don't think I stopped until 2018. That's where all that cash flow started going was with champagne. Yes. Yeah. But I actually didn't get too much time to be excited because Hurricane Irma hit and put a tree on our house about 10 days later. Thank you, Irma. Yeah. Thank you. But uh, it was a good feeling while it lasted. But you are not a natural saver. You say in your book that you're actually somebody that, uh, you know, spent money and then liked to ignore your debt. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up thinking that I was broke. And so that made me cheap, but it didn't necessarily make me a saver or conscious about spending. And so I thought since I could find a deal and I didn't blow my money on expensive things that I was frugal. But I was really spending all this money on little things and it all added up. I have an entire chapter on my book dedicated to coffee because that was my biggest vice and Mm. a lot of my friends. And that's where I found a lot of my little purchases went to. But it was doing these challenges that showed me that I wasn't as good of a saver as I thought I was. That's funny. How did you realize I'm not that great a saver? It was a lot of habits that I didn't pay attention to, like driving past somewhere and ending up in a drive through or going to Target, making a beeline for the dollar section. And it's all these things that we don't think about where we're nickel and diming ourselves and overspending without thinking about it. And so doing these challenges, everyone helped me think about when I was going to do an impulse buy or when I was going to practice one of those habits I'd built up, like going to get coffee whenever I was running errands was a big one. And it made me like step back and think about why I was doing it. All I needed was maybe like 10, 20 seconds to just stop and put some space between me and my purchases. And that's what the challenges really did for me. That's so interesting because Nick Clements from Magnify Money was just here talking about debt cleanse. And I love it when, you know, I think Tony Robbins said this, when one guru says something, it's a cool idea. When people kind of riff on the same topic, it's a truth, right? And he talked about Mm -hmm. if you've got this seepage every month of just 300 bucks, which could be your little things added up, right? The dollar section at Target, the drive-through, the random coffee, like that could be $300 a year. I mean, that 
could easily be something you think of isn't a lot of money. That's $3,600 in credit card debt in a year if it's mm-hmm. all over your budget. And so this stuff that seems like it's nothing quickly adds up to being something. But my question actually for you is, you know, this is a lot of people. So, so far you're like a lot of people, right? And a lot of people just tolerate that for the rest of their life. What was that? Do you remember where you were when you said, you know, this, this has to change. Like my life has to be different. Yeah. The catalyst was obviously wanting to pay off our debt. We got married and, you know, my then fiance was like, I'm going to pay off my student loans. You can do whatever you want. And I was like, cool. Okay. But then I had more student loans than he did. So I kind of felt pressured to to do it as well. But the real change didn't actually come until, so we were living really simply. We hadn't, we'd just gotten married and didn't increase our standard of living. But I thought I could make up for my overspending by just side hustling more and making more money. And I got maybe two months into the process of paying off debt. And I had taken on so many side jobs and hustles. I gave myself shingles. Wait a minute. Literally, you shingles. literally had a health issue because of it. Yes. I got shingles from being too stressed. And I'm not like a super stressed person. So it was very weird for me to experience something like that. And, and I realized I can't out earn my spending. And I hear that so often from entrepreneurs that they're like, I'm not really frugal. I just, I work really hard and, and I'll earn, you know, everything I do. But I think to an extent, they're still being smart with their spending. I wasn't. And that was the point where I was like, you know what? I don't want to work myself to death. I need to be okay with what I'm earning and what my health says that I'm capable of earning. And I just need to spend less in these other areas. Shortly after was when I did my first no spend challenge because of the debt. Man, when your body gives you a wake up call, I just think it's probably (laughs) a great time to listen. Uh, A painful, painful wake up call. I don't wish that on anybody. Holy cow. (laughs) So let's dig into the challenge. Any rules, any uh, guidelines for people that say, okay, I'm loving this, Jen. How do I start? The beauty of a no spend challenge is that you can customize it to be whatever you want. And it's it's meant to be built upon too. So you're not going to jump into doing a year-long shopping van, you know, like Kate Flanders did. She's a she's a rock star and I love her book if you're interested in reading more about not spending. Start with maybe a weekend and say, I'm not going to spend any personal money this weekend. I'm going to find free things to do. I'm going to find things to do around my house. And and then see if you can go a whole weekend without spending. And then you go up to a whole week. And then you go to a whole month. I've never gone beyond a month, but a ton of people have gone beyond that and done several years. And you decide what you want to not spend on in the same vein. So... I will personally do no personal spending, no restaurants. Obviously, I pay my mortgage and all my bills and all that stuff. But I will also spend on fresh produce and I will use up all of the other things in my pantry. So I won't do any grocery spending except for fresh produce. And you can definitely use freezer meals and frozen produce to 
to even avoid that. So it's very flexible on how you're, how you're going to do it and how long you're going to do it. Do you recommend starting small and taking a baby step or is it better to rip off the bandaid and go for as long as you can and, and uh, hope for the best? I'm definitely a rip off the bandaid kind of girl. So I dove right into a month. I really wanted to see results in numbers. So I wanted to see that couple hundred dollars that I wasn't spending and I wanted to be able to make a payment to my debt at the end of the month of all of that. And really, I just took my spending in the previous month, tallied all that up, and then that was my goal. That was the extra payment I was going to make the following month when I was doing my no-spend challenge. That seems like an important thing, like to uh, immediately use the money to pay off whatever debt or whatever thing you're you're trying to do. Because I, I don't know, in my experience, the money sits there, baby, it's gone. <laughs> it's- yes, yes. So having a defined goal for your no spend challenge is probably, it's the first step and it's the most important because if you're just doing these just to have, I mean, why would you do a no spend challenge like just for funds? I don't know. Unless you're like, that's the type of person you are. I, that's not me. But I knew why I was doing it. It was to have more money towards to put towards debt. And so every time I was tempted to spend on something, I would just remember that and it would make it easier to say no. Sometimes it would not make it easier. Sometimes I would say, screw it, I'm going to buy it. And then then I would recover and you mess up every time, but you just move on. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that. Falling off the wagon. You must have emails from people too that fall off the wagon. How do you get yeah. back on? How do you get back on? Gosh, I still never do a perfect no spend month. And, you know, I wrote a book on it. We're human beings. You're going to mess up. Things are going to pop up. You have to just identify it and recover and keep moving forward. Nothing is going to be perfect. I'm sure if you've ever made a budget, you understand your budget is never perfect. If you've ever done anything, you know that you're not going to be perfect at it every time. So you just have to pick yourself up, brush yourself off and move on. Let's talk about emotions. Cause I think emotions is like, if you peel off a month, like you did, or if you even peel off a week, I mean, if you've got other people in your family that are involved, there can be some stress. I can't imagine how much uh, stress there could be during a no spend challenge. How do you manage that? Yeah. I never forced the no spend challenge on my spouse. I would did, tell everybody that I was doing one. Did he pick up the slack and just spend more? No, no. Oh gosh. He's way more frugal than I am. He's, I mean, he's borderline cheap. I don't like to use that word, but he is. If Cheryl were going to do this, if Cheryl were going to do a no spend challenge, I would totally pick up the slack. I go, no, I've got, I've got you covered. I will spend the extra on your behalf. I promise. Yeah. If I gave him permission, I'm sure he would have, but don't give him any ideas. So I never forced it upon him. He still got his personal money. It was just really, it was a personal thing for me. And then when friends would invite me out, I would go and I would sit there, I would get water or or something. So it never really affected what I did with other people, but it actually became inspiring to some people because everyone wants to spend less. It's nobody's sitting there saying like, oh my gosh, I, I should have spent so much more last month. Everybody wants to be better and have more self-control with spending. So I, I don't normally have a problem with 
with people, usually it's really encouraging to them. Yeah. Do you set up uh, milestones along the way or celebrations or planned? I don't know. How do you celebrate your wins? So I do a little celebration at the end of every challenge, not enough to negate my, you know, (laughs) month long success. You're not going to go buy a big screen TV. No, not unless I was saving for one. And that's why I was doing the challenge. Uh, yeah, right. But uh, I'll, you know, my, u- mine is usually a latte because that's me. And if you read my book or listen to my podcast, you know, that's me. But it could be anything from like a dinner out with a friend or a date night or, or whatever. Uh, but it's always good to reward yourself because when you're paying off debt or, or you're reaching any milestone, you want to have like a little victories and celebrations along the way because it's a journey. That's so fun. The book is the No Spend Challenge Guide. Uh, You go over everything from diet and exercise to what's on your no spend list to how to set it up, how to, uh, how to create little wins, not just the stuff we we talked about one one hundredth of what's in this book. Uh, Where can we get it? You can get it on Amazon. So it's right now uh, through March 2019, free for Amazon Prime through Prime Reading. But it's available in paperback and Kindle for everyone on Amazon. Awesome. And we'll link to it in the show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the awesome Frugal Friends podcast. What do you ladies have coming up in 2019? Actually, we just did a full episode on No Spend Challenges. Uh, We got a lot about minimalism, uh, Marie Kondo's really big right now. And we just did an episode on how to modify the KonMari method because we're super flexible and we think everyone else can be too. So yeah, we're really excited. Awesome. And we'll link to the show too at stackingbenjamins.com. Jen, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. So fun. Thanks for having me. Welcome, financial explorers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And if you're new here, you've discovered my trivia segment. My calendar says that tomorrow marks the day that Robert Falcon Scott, what an awesome name. Hey, that guy was a British Royal Navy officer and explorer, and he made the perilous journey to a place called the South Pole back in 1912. Now, I know I'm a bigger thinker about most of this stuff than lots of you, but exactly what kind of pole is it he was trying to discover? Is the South Pole like a metal pole or something because we know how cold that would get in the winter has anyone you know actually seen the south pole i've read about two people who claim they've seen this mythical mystical vaporous south pole one as you know is robert scott but scott was actually the second person to reach this particular pole here's your trivia question who was the first person to reach the south pole I'll be back with your answer right after I make this trip south to the fridge. I think I mentioned earlier that I joined a gym here in Michigan now that we've moved and uh, feel a little pain. And so I'm very, very happy that Omax Health is supporting Stacky Benjamins. Let's talk a little bit about omega-3s for a minute because Omax 3 Ultra Pure, the purest omega-3 supplement on the market, contacted me, as I mentioned before, about sponsoring the show. And in case you're unaware, omega-3s have been pushed as one of the healthiest supplements, but lots of people question whether that fact is actually too good to be true. Well, over 75% of Americans don't get enough omega-3s in their diet, and you're probably one of them. So let me tell you why, why it's so important for people like you and me and our health. They alleviate joint pain, inflammation, and muscle soreness. 
I can see that already. And they make you feel your best, especially post-workout. It's funny, I was listening to a Tim Ferriss episode talking to LeBron James and his trainer, and all they talked about was recovery, right? And whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me, recovery is what it's all about to be able to fight another fight the next day. You've probably seen some of the supplements in the store for omega-3s, but many of the top sellers simply don't have adequate quality or quantity of omega-3s for therapeutic results. Omax has sold over 500,000 boxes of Ultra Pure due to its cult following because Omax 3 Ultra Pure is almost 94% pure omega-3 fatty acids. It's the purest concentration on the market. Leading store brands, by the way, only contain about 30%. Omax has a patented EPA to DHA ration of 4 to 1, specifically engineered for inflammation and joint pain. And Omax Ultra Pure goes through an intense distillation process in Europe to remove saturated fats, toxins, and PCBS, so you're left with Ultra Pure Omega-3 acids. Omega-3 is clinically tested, certified, and sustainably sourced so it's safe for you and your family. So whether you're an athlete, student, busy parent, gamer, don't want those thumbs to get sore if you're a gamer or working professional. It says gamer here. Never had a day I woke up after a mean session of the division or my golf game and went, man, is my thumb sore. But I'll tell you what, after the five mile run, it's a whole different thing. You'll see the positive effects within days. Go to this site. The site is tryomax.com slash SB today to get a box of Omax 3 Ultra Pure for free with your first purchase. That's tryomax.com slash SB to get your free box of Omax 3 with your first purchase. tryomax.com slash SB. Terms and conditions apply. Omax 3 comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you've got plenty of time to try it and really feel the Omax difference. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome back. Here's some questions that maybe you could answer for me. How did the South Pole, which seems to be so far away from everything, if you can hear people talk about it, how, how did it get so famous? Why hasn't anybody just cut it down and brought it a little closer to home? Make it easier for everybody. Has anyone actually danced around this pole before? Maybe like in May when it's much warmer and more pleasant? Okay, all right, okay. I'm getting back to the trivia. Don't hurt the messenger. I'm sure plenty of people are wondering these same important questions as I am. Here was your question again. Who was the first person to reach the South Pole? And your answer? If you guessed that kid in a Christmas story who got his tongue stuck to the pole, I think you're right, actually, but the Google machine says otherwise. Hailing from Norway, Roald Amundsen reached the South Pole about five weeks before Robert Scott. And apparently, he didn't use it to pitch a tent or take it down to pole vault or anything. Dude's boring. He just apparently left this pole sitting out there in the ground so Scott could see it, too. I don't even think I get this trivia. Why the hell wouldn't you take it home and show everybody in your basement? I mean, that's the natural, obvious thing to do, right, Joe? All right. Anyway, see ya. Big thanks to Jen Smith. I really like this idea of keeping it easy, doing maybe just a weekend no spend, finding free things to do, you know, tear off the bandaid maybe a little bit at a time. Or if you're like Jen, just jump in with both feet and be okay with screwing it up. Yeah, that's going to be my my way of doing it, just uh, <laughs> just being okay with screwing it up. <laughs> hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG. 
and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Doug's mom. No, Damn. I'm just I'm, I, I have to get, get him back from Monday. Getting back from Monday. Just kidding. Just kidding. The war is Just on. Kidding, oh, this Doug. is gonna get this is gonna get so bad. And, Dougie uh, Fresh. Uh for me, if I could make it a weekend without spending money, that would be pretty magical. So I'm gonna try that this weekend. Yeah, spending no money with your loved ones and uh having and no time with them. And having no money and no time. No money. Perfect. <laughs> Nothing. It's a perfect way to spend a weekend. It's why they created a modern way to buy quality term life insurance. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. You'll see what we talked about in our headlines today about how smooth and efficient the process is. Prices are affordable. Policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual. No waiting several weeks for a decision. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our new friend, Sean. Say hi, Sean. Hi, Joe and OG. I have a question that goes with uh, private equity. So I'm a minority stakeholder in a private corporation. And the majority stakeholder has looking, is looking towards private equity buying us out. And what kind of questions should I have? Or what kind of things should I look out for? Or what resources could you direct me to? Thanks for everything. Never learned a thing. Hey, thanks for the question, Sean. Boy, this is a tough one because private equity is a game. Didn't really give us much to go on here. Yeah, so maybe he owns a piece of a restaurant or or something, but he's a minority shareholder. And now they're looking to buy him out. I think the big thing is going to revolve around valuation, right? It has to be. And the problem is, is that not all business owners are fans of sharing all of the numbers with all of the people. Just because you're a shareholder in this company doesn't mean that you get access to all the books. So, you know, they may say, hey, your shares are worth uh, 50 grand. Here's a check. But maybe it's worth 500 grand. You know, you might not ever be able to discern that. That's probably going to be the biggest issue. The hardest part in working on any arrangement like this is that you guys both have to come to an agreement on what it's worth, regardless of what the numbers say or anything like that. Like, let's say, for example, you think that the business is going to do really well in the future, and your boss thinks the business is going to do way better than you think in the future. Well, if you're an owner in that company right now, what do you want to do? You, you want to hold on to it. You're thinking, well, I can hang on to this and it's going to go up in value. He also thinks that and says, I got to get all these shares back because I gave them away. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't thinking <laughs> now I want to, you know, reclaim the ownership of this. Maybe he's trying to sell it outright, you know, himself and, and doesn't want to involve the limited partners or whatever. So there's a lot of different components to it. I think that helping to understand or maybe you understanding what the ultimate motivation is will help do what's best for you and your family as well. You know, if he's just saying, hey, I'm trying to put this under one roof so that it's an easy sell to a bigger organization because I want to retire. And meanwhile, you're sitting there going, well, I want, you know, I want to still stay an owner. Maybe there's an opportunity there for you guys to work synergistically on the same goal. But I think going into it, knowing what his motivation is and kind of how your feelings are on it too, and just being open and honest will probably help the conversation. When you ask about resources, there's one that I will direct you to. John Warillo has a great book, Built to Sell, but he also has a podcast, Built to Sell. And he'll go over everything 
on that podcast with real case studies, real business owners come on his show and talk about the process of selling their business, selling shares. So I think to get comfortable with the sale process and what numbers are important, we could go over some of the numbers here, but we'll bore the heck out of 90% of our audience that has no interest in this at all. And 50% of the hosts. (laughs) And you've listened to this podcast before. You've read his book. Fantastic. John yeah. Warlow. Yeah. 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 I really like it. He's got a good way of telling business owner stories, which I appreciate. Yeah. That's built to sell radio. Thanks for the question, Sean. We also get mail down here in the basement. And today's letter comes to us from Jody. Jody says, hello, I had a second job that was full time and I have just over $23,000 in a 401k due to being let go from that job. I need to cash out the 401k and use the money until I make some life changes or I get another part time job. I really only need about 6,000 of the money to last me four to six months. So I'm interested in investing the remainder in something I can have access to, but not leave it in my savings account because I know I'll spend it. I'm a new listener. So if you've already done podcast on this, can you point me in the right direction? I searched 401k and cash out 401k and couldn't find exactly what I was looking for. And he helped me be great. And yes, I know I should not cash out my 401k. I will keep putting money into my main employer 401k and try to max that out this year instead. Thanks, guys. All right, let's help Jody out. She already knows she shouldn't be taking money out of that plan, but uh, let's dig in. I find it really interesting that you recognize that we're not supposed to take money out of the 401k plan, and then you go, yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. But don't worry, I'm going to stuff money in my other 401k plan. This is just moving money from one pocket to the other and involving Uncle Sam along the way, paying taxes and penalties. So you might want to look at the concept of maybe just reducing your contributions into the new 401k plan, the existing one, if you will, that you were planning on maxing out. You said you need four to six months. All right. You said four to 6,000? Four to six months and is only going to need 6,000 bucks. Yeah. So that's roughly a third of the maximum contribution for this year. So maybe instead of taking $6,000 out of your 401k, paying income taxes on it to the tune of you know, maybe another thousand and a penalty of another 600 on that. It could be close to a wash after the taxes and penalties or even have more money. Yeah. Why not just reduce your 401k contributions in the next few months while you're uh, looking for a job and uh, or a second job, like you mentioned, and, and uh, even out your cash flow that way, even reduce your contributions to zero and you'd free up, you know, $1,500 a month, basically. So I would probably consider doing that would be my strongest recommendation. I don't, I, I can't see why, based on what you said, it would ever make sense to take money out of a 401k to then turn around and put it back in the other one at the same time. So why don't you just rearrange your cash flow a little bit that way? I wouldn't take all of that money out. I mean, if you end up having to take the $6,000 out, I would just take you know, maybe take half of that at first. And then as you know that you need $3,000 more, take out more because you definitely want to take out as little as possible. So I'd have more yeah. transactions. And So tactically, the way smaller. to do this is, sorry, the, I was, yeah. <laughs> are you stepping on Elmo's lines? Are you stepping on my lines? It <laughs> is so bad. <laughs> the tactical way to do this is to take the money from your 401k and roll it over to an IRA. And then, like you said, if you absolutely positively need to take out 400 bucks this month to pay your 
rent bill, then just take out the $400. Don't take out 4,000 or 6,000 because you might need 6,000 because what happens if you get a job in three weeks and then you didn't need any of the money and now you're stuck with this uh, distribution and, and penalty. So literally piecemeal it out as small as you can. But again, I go back to the fact that if you're maxing out your 401k on one side and taking it out on the other, I just stop take, putting money in for the next few months and restart your contributions. And then you don't owe Uncle Sam anything. Avoid all those penalties and get the same result or very close, mm-hmm. I would think, to the same result. Thanks for the question. And by the way, you know, maybe Jody's doesn't want to do that because there's a match. But I think when you compare a match with the tax penalty... Yeah, you're not getting a 10%. You're probably not getting a 10% match. So you're getting a 10% penalty. On top of paying tax. On top of So you could really say the tax plus the penalty, you know? Yeah. It could be 35%. Could be ugly. Yeah, just don't just do not do that. <laughs> You've worked really hard at saving all this money. Don't screw it up now. Thanks for the question, Jody. If you've got a question for the show, the only difference between Jody and Sean is that Sean's getting the Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt for calling into the Haven Lifeline. So if you call into the Haven Lifeline, you can also earn one of those. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail or for all the ways to interface with the show, it's StackyBenjamins.com. Couple housekeeping things before we stick a fork in this one. Number one is thanks to everybody who's left us a review of this year podcast. That tells people what they're getting into when they listen to the Stacky Benjamin show. This is five stars from Da Bears and Cubs. I wonder what city they're from. The headline says, Love Joe and OG. Hey, to be one of the two people listening to this show, it's an honor. I feel like you don't always hone in on my needs, probably the other person that listens, but that's okay because I'm a giving person. Contrary to what you advertise, I definitely learn one thing at least one time a year. Good luck for future shows. I love how people leave us a five-star review that just, if you didn't see the five stars up front, you go, what the heck is that all about? That's good. Well, and this might be the year that he actually learns two things. This this is This could very well be the year. Thanks to Dub Bears and Cubs for leaving us that review. Mom's putting it on the refrigerator. And then finally, if you're somebody looking to put your financial planning team in place this year, OG and his firm are taking clients. So to set up a meeting with them, head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash OG. And that will be the hyperlink, as we call it, that moves you over to OG's business site for his financial planning firm. And you can get on his calendar to put your team in place for 2019 and beyond. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Jen Smith. Looking to save a few bucks? Try a no-spend challenge. While it isn't always easy, it can turn difficult money struggles into fun times. Trying to see just how long you can go without breaking into the wallet. Second, investigating Medicare options? Take some advice from Danielle Kunkel-Roberts and look into policies that may help with a long-term care situation. While it may not work for you, checking out all your options so you have more to compare is the best way to ensure you find the right policy for you. But the big lesson? Do not, I repeat, do not show Joe's mom your interpretive dance on how Amundsen probably celebrated when he found this so-called South Pole. I'm using air quotes, of course. She'll kick your ass right out of the house. 
It was not lewd, Mom. It was just my artistic interpret. God, are you a Philistine? Special thanks to Jen Smith for joining us. You'll find Jen writing at modernfrugality.com or co-hosting the Frugal Friends podcast. You'll find her book on Amazon where you can check it out for free currently if you have an Amazon Prime Reads account. Thanks also to Danielle Kunkel-Roberts for stopping by. You'll find more on Medicare Advantage plans and Medicare in general at boomerbenefits.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm wondering if KY Jelly is actually made in Kentucky. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Due to current economic conditions, it's my job to inform you that the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned off. I bought a new car. You bought a new car? A new-to-you car? A new-to-me car, yeah. Because you work from home. When I left Texarkana, I didn't think the Trailblazer would make it here. And so I signed it over to Richie, our producer, because mm-hmm. Richie's a college kid, and I thought, if he gets 500 bucks for this thing, hey, that's great. Consider it a bonus. So he was very excited, and I was excited to not deal with it. But I got here to Michigan, and decided I wanted to have a $5,000 budget. And the reason is because I work from home. I wanted to pay cash for it. I really don't need a, a brand spanking new car. I saw a bunch of cars originally that I thought that I wanted, but they were all really small. And Cheryl already drives a small car. And so there was this BMW 300 series. But in, 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 uh, in hindsight... A BMW 300 series for 5,000 bucks. There's got to be something really wrong with it, but who knows? Somebody in the basement asked if, if we had any experience with uh, used cars and a lot of people by the basement. I mean, our, our Facebook group, the basement, if you had to stack forward slash basement, it'll give you the big long link to get there. But I mentioned that I was going to be talking about this. I did things the opposite that I usually tell other people to do because of the fact of where my expertise lie. So usually I think that people should buy from individuals, not from car dealers. 
I know very little about cars, even though my dad worked in the automotive industry. So I want a car that is dealer certified just for that minimal little tiny bit of protection. And I tell people not to go to dealers, partly because of the fact that you know that, I mean, these people are pros at making sure that they make money and they've got these wild sales pitches. And I would never tell somebody to go through that. I've been through all those before. I'm incredibly comfortable saying no. And you know what? I actually think it's funny. And Cheryl was actually, was laughing when we were at the car dealer about how funny I thought this was. I'm like, okay, here's the game they're playing now. Here's, here's where we're at in the process here. So before we got there, I went to cars.com and carfax.com into their used car area. And I filtered by cars that only had one or two owners and were $5,000 or less. And I came up with a short list. The two that I identified though, that would fit our needs because we need something that we might be able to, I mean, not haul stuff in like a truck, but be able to at least carry little things, you know, little piece of furniture, whatever. So a Subaru Outback and a Saturn view. The thing I made sure of ahead of time though, was that I could read the Carfax and on both of those sites on Carfax, they give you the Carfax stuff for free on cars.com. There's some that give it to you for free. So I knew that both these cars were incredibly well-maintained. I knew that the Saturn view, and we'll just cut to that because we went to look at the Outback first on the way out to the other, the, the view, and it had been sold the night before. The Saturn view had 140,000 miles on it. It uh, had only had two owners. There were a ton of items on the service record. And initially when Cheryl was looking at this with me, I said, take a look at this. Look at all these, look at how long the service record is. She goes, Oh my God, that's horrible. I go, no, 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 no. Look at the type of service it had. They had done all of the scheduled maintenance. I know so many car owners that don't do any of the scheduled maintenance on a car. You know, when the dealer says at, yeah. at X number yeah, of miles, 4,500 miles, you should do this. Yes. Yeah, they're just trying to get money out of me. These people did all of it. And then they also did the oil changes like clockwork. So it was all, it was all together. It was all there. Not only that, but also on the, both of these sites, they assign the car an amount of money they think it should be worth. And then they tell you what type of a deal it is. So there's a few cars that they classify as great deals and good deals. And then other cars they'll just tell you are not great deals at all. And both of these cars were priced to sell. The Saturn view that I looked at cars.com said should be at 5,700 bucks. All right. So we get out there and it is freezing cold. Walk up to the car, meet this salesman, super nice guy, not pushy at all. Was definitely going to play the car salesman game. We'll get to that in a second, but said, Hey, yeah, hands, hands me the keys. This is okay. Fired up. And then he goes to get in on the passenger side and goes, oh, there's a flat tire. This is a huge car lot with maybe 300 used cars. It's part of this monster dealership that has four separate showrooms. So the guy goes, I'm sorry. You know, we got all these cars out here. This one, I can't remember when, it, when it's been driven. Been super cold lately. So went and got a, went and got a, uh, a compressor opens up the passenger door and hands me the little thing that goes in the cigarette lighter. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they call it a cigarette lighter anymore. I guess it's from, <laughs> I guess it's from what I know I was you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. He said, "Here, plug this in and fire up the car." I go to fire up the car, and the car won't start. <laughs> and, and so the salesman's like, "Oh my god, this is a nightmare." Brings over another guy. They get the car to start, and he pumps up the tire. And we take it for a test drive, and the thing drives really, really, really well. I mean, drives super well. To the point that I thought it was driving really well for a car that I expected to pay nothing, you know, not very much money for. The salesman says, he goes, okay, I sell cars and I'm supposed to say positive things about cars, but you've picked one of the least expensive cars by far on our lot. And this drives a hell of a lot better than I thought it was going to. (laughs) Yes. There were some issues with the brakes when I would stop, it drove confidently, didn't break confidently. And so instead of negotiating the price, I negotiated all of these repairs. I said, I want front tires. I want the ignition and starter system looked at. I don't know what's going on. They ended up replacing a part and I don't have it in front of me, but they ended up replacing something at their cost. And then they also uh, changed out the brake bushings. So the car, by the way, had just had at 140,000 miles, it just had new wheel bearings replaced. I saw that on the Carfax. So I have this car that has a lot of miles on it, but the whole starting and ignition system is just looked at. Tires already look pretty good, but as new front tires, back tires look great and uh, new wheel bearings. There were some very cheesy sales moments though. Okay. So the dude, which said, there has to be, if you're going to yes. go to a used car sales lot. Oh, the dude, the dude tells me, he goes, he goes, he goes, well, we have this family protection plan. I go, really? What's family protection plan? He goes, he goes, well, l- let's come take a look at it. You know what the family protection plan is? Triple A. It's no, it's wax. Oh yeah. They, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cover, like the seats and that sort of stuff. All it is, is a wax job of the outside of your car. And they had a car in the showroom where half of it hadn't been waxed and the other part had been. And he takes me around the car and he's like, feel, feel this side versus this side, like with your hand, you can see it. Right. And I could see it. And you know what? And it looked pretty cool. It was $850 more. And I look at the guy and he goes, I'm going to increase the sales price of my car by 20%. He goes, he goes, so what do you think? And I looked at him and I go, Mike, I'm buying a $5,000 car. And he's like, yeah, I thought that's what you were going to say. And we go and we walk. He goes, okay, I'm not allowed to get rid of it. I'm going to go talk to my manager and I'm going to tell him to get rid of it. Walks out and I said, this deal's not over. And he's not really talking to the manager about stuff. He's going to come back. Sure enough, he comes back and he takes this piece of paper. And I remember when I first became a financial planner, I had these uh, trainers that taught me some of these just absolutely cheesy sales techniques. And this was horrible. Takes the sheet of paper. He goes, he goes, well, good news. Good news is my manager will let me sell you the family package instead of 850 for 250. Then he takes his fingertips on the piece of paper that has the $250 and he slides it slowly toward me. And he goes, Joe, are you going to let $250 stand between you and the car of your dreams? (laughs) And I look at him and I'm smiling and I go, I'm buying a $5,000 car. And he goes, yeah, okay. I'll see if he can get rid of it. <laughs> it was awesome. And then, and then they, the Saturn, the Saturn view is not, does not make it into my, my dreams. 
Michael. Are, are you going to let $250 stand between you and the car of your dreams? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And by the way, this is yeah, not I the would. car of my dreams. <laughs> this is this is the car of right now, right? And so uh, he he's like, so uh, how are you going to pay for this? And I said, I thought we put it on our credit card. Turns out you can't buy a full car on a credit card, according to them. Maybe there's some car dealers there. <laughs> you absolutely can, but yeah. Go well, ahead. but I do believe what they said, which is anti-fraud and money laundering stuff. They said, we can put our number 3,000 bucks. You can put 3,000 bucks on a credit card. So I had to use two different cards. I had to use my credit card and then my debit card for the rest of it. Big deal. I wanted yeah. to put it on my okay. card just so I could get all those points, you know? So I did $3,000 yeah. worth of points. And oh, then, you missed uh, the opportunity. That's where you go. Oh, well, guess we're done. Yeah. And they magically, that's how I bought jet skis. Remember that? I told you about the jet ski thing. Yeah. I didn't, I just didn't dispute that at all. Yeah, it's such horse. No, but sorry. But, Pardon my language. Yeah. But then he said, so he knows I'm paying cash, right? Yeah. Brings it a GM financing thing and says, it says, Hey, it's just part of the process. You got to fill us out. And I look at the GM financing thing and I go, why the hell do I have to fill this out? He goes, well, you know, it's the process. We have to do it. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have to yeah. do that. He goes, he oh my go gosh, that happened to me. He goes, he goes, well, yeah, I can't sell you the car if you don't fill this out. And I said, are you going to run my credit? And he goes, well, it seems to me that you're really worried about me running your credit. And I go, yeah, because I'm paying cash for the damn car. And I know that you get a spiff, you get some kind of commission if you run my credit through GM financing, whether I take the crap or not. Right. So, so don't give me this garbage that it's part of the process. And then he just completely backed down. He's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, let me check with my manager. Comes back and actually came back and said something totally different and completely got off the topic of running my credit through GM financing. I'm like, well, no. Yeah. That happened when we bought our minivan. I remember the same thing because we were paying cash for it too. And the guy, the guy, same thing. How, how are you going to pay for it? I said, I'm going to write you a check. And he says, okay, well, we got to fill out this paperwork. I'm like, what is all this? He's like, well, we need all this, you know, for the money laundering and stuff. I go, for money laundering? I'm buying a minivan, dude, on New Year's Eve. Is this a hot time for money launderers? I'm not going to be filling out your credit application. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, we, we, we have to do that. I go, well, I'll just go to a different dealership and buy it then. Oh, well, no, I mean, it's just part of the process. I go, it's not part of the problem. My wife had like took it. She started to, she yes. started to fill it out Yeah, because she's like, Oh, okay. Fill out the paperwork. I'm yeah. Like, no way, dude. We've already got this covered. No, Cheryl didn't know. Cheryl didn't know what was going on either during the discussion. So Cheryl's jumping in almost a similar thing. She goes, she goes, well, he just doesn't like having his credit run, you know, unnecessarily by, I'm like, no, no, no. And I turned to Cheryl. I'm like, that's not it at all. We're paying cash. We don't need to do this. And she's like, oh, yeah. really? He said it's, it's part surprisingly difficult to give people money, isn't it? It's, so, it's just like, yeah. dude, yeah. for real. Well, and that's an industry where they actually make more if you use the financing, right? If, if I use oh, financing, God, yeah. the, the, they get they get a bunch more money. They're not making any money on this $5,000 car now because I just turned down two of their biggest ways of making cash. Yeah. Uh, Except they probably bought the thing for Thirty oh. hundred bucks. Oh, don't so get me wrong. Still, they're still making double the money. They're just not making oh. triple. Oh, absolutely. They're still going to eat, right? 
things are going to be fine. And by the way, and my job wasn't to wasn't to lowball these guys. I'm okay with paying five thousand dollars for this car. I mean, everything I read told me that that's a fair price. Everything I read, the whole Carfax told me the car's yeah. in good condition. It's a five it's a five thousand dollar car. So I'll pay the fair price, and I hope the guy makes some money off me. That's great. And you know what? Besides the little salesy things, which I just accept, I go back to this guy. I mean, we'll see how the car performs, but um, assuming everything else being equal, I thought he was fine. It's funny because the last the last car that I bought, I did the whole like, here's what I want. I'm not going to take the undercarriage wash. I don't want the protection plan. I don't want the wheel and 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 rim plan. I did, and I just like, like went through the list. I went, I'll be there on Friday. Please have the car ready. Tell me where to sign so I can leave. Like, I, I just want you to make your money. I want to get my car. I, I don't want to, we don't need to be friends. And the, and the, the sales uh, woman was like, that's so refreshing. Okay. I'll, it'll be ready at five o'clock. I walked in at five. I walked out at like five twenty. I got there. At it 10 was a- awesome. I got there at 10 a.m. And because of like the brake thing and the, the, uh, the ignition stuff and all that 10 a.m. left at three 30. But they were fixing the stuff yeah. at their on their yeah, dime that I wanted to have yeah. fixed. The last trick that they had, then they send me to the dude to uh, to sign everything. It's the finance guy. Oh he, yes, even though there's yep. no financing, and he said, "So you know, this car is is what it is, and we can add a warranty package to that." And I'm very interested in the warranty package because I believe in insurance, and you know, it's a cost benefit, and so I wanted to see the cost benefit. I look at all the insurance they offer me. Looks really cool. The stuff that they're going to help me with. $1,800. Hmm. And the guy goes, so what do you think? It's pretty good. I go, it is pretty good, but it's a $5,000 car. And he said the same thing. He goes, yeah, that's what I kind of thought. Yeah. They all present the crap they have to present to me. And then when I just look at them and go, no, man. No, are you, are you, what are you smoking? $1,800 of insurance on a $5,000 vehicle pass. So anyway, I've got my $5,000 Saturn view. So I don't remember who it was because I don't have the basement Facebook group open, but somebody wanted to hear the story about how I buy a car. And uh, that's how I bought this one. There you go. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.